values, and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show, KTAR News, 92.3 FM, and the KTAR News app. Hey, thanks so much for being here. Appreciate you spending some time with the show. As we move into the holiday season, people concerned about next year, worried about the economy, and it and should be. There's a lot going on. The two uh, headlines that I talked about th- all day long when we talk economy that have people concerned are has to do with spending on credit and savings. And when you see that people have the highest credit card debt in history in this country right now, the highest credit card debt in history, and savings are at a 17-year low, we are seeing people in a very precarious place economically. Um, there are good job numbers. I, I always want to acknowledge the good as well. I'm happy about the job numbers, but we also know when you dig into those numbers, a lot of those jobs are people taking a second job in order to make ends meet. There are people working two and three jobs right now to pay for the thing that usually took just one job before. So it is a concern that people are are sinking even though they're working hard. I, I talk about hope a lot. I talk about the idea that when you can see the light at the end of the tunnel, it makes it easier. When you feel as if we, the worst is behind us, you have something to look forward to. That's that's great. It's when people, the fear of the unknown is a scary thing for people. I mean, it is a terrifying place to be. Not understanding or not knowing what's going to happen next, not knowing how this is going to end, not seeing any end in sight that it's possibly, and that's what a lot of, one of the stories is, is, is really interesting that a lot of people think it's going to get worse. Now, whether they're right or not, we don't know. The predictors out there that we're going to see a recession next year, we don't know how bad, um, but we don't know that. But you know as well as I do that um, that the unknown is what scares Wall Street. It scares everyone. And believing something is going to happen or fearing that something is going to happen is reality for people. You're not going to see people going into they're not going to buy new vehicles. They're not going to buy, you know, they're not going to buy big ticket items if they don't believe their job is secure or that they're going to have the funds to pay off those loans. They're going to hang on and they're going to do smaller and smaller things. What are people going to spend at Christmas or for the holidays in general? And I look at that and I think um there are people that are spending and thank God, thank God that people have money and that they're spending on the holidays. To what extent will they spend? Um the American economy is going to slow and it's intentionally being slow to slow down inflation and we're trying to drive down prices. But are we doing things as the is our administration, the administration, whether it's at the state level, the local level or at the federal level, are they doing things to make it worse? In California, I've been talking about Gavin Newsom because Gavin Newsom is on the train of uh, class warfare. And, and that bothers me more than anything. Um And I know I'm I'm speaking in generalities here, but we look at corporate America and people talk about corporate America and say, look at that CEO of that corporation, the executive staff and the millions of dollars they're making. This CEO is making so much more money than the average worker at that company, and that's not fair. That should be adjusted. And yet many of those very same people that adhere to that thinking also believe that it's okay for a movie star to make $20 million a picture. What about the bit actors? What about the the people that work behind? Behind the scenes that run the cameras. What about how the little amount of money that they're making? Is that fair? Is it fair that Aaron Judge just signed a deal for $40 million a year for nine years in baseball, if you don't know who he is, with he signed with the Yankees for a $360 million deal over nine years? Is that fair? When minor league players are making almost nothing and riding around on buses? 
Is it fair to see quarterbacks in the NFL getting guaranteed money for hundreds of millions of dollars while practice squad players are making a lot less money than that? So you can delve into that anywhere you want, and people don't see it that way. There is in the minds of some, they don't like corporate America. They, they um, equate it to greed. And they think that's the reason why there are big problems. And I would say to you that when we start having class warfare issues, we're digging ourselves a hole that we're not ever going to get out of. That if you really want to fix problems in our society, it's about getting government out of the way, not getting government involved. The idea that somehow the government – and in this case, I'm talking about Gavin Newsom in California – is going to tax the oil companies on their obscene profits and it's going to somehow drive down prices at the pump for you, the end user, is no way. No one can even explain how that's possible. But people buy into that mentality of um, class warfare. The idea being – you might as well not even make any more money than what we're going to cap your profits at because if you do, we're going to take 90% of it from you. So you might as well lower your prices and you might as well ease it for the people at the pump and you know that's not going to happen. And my defense and, – and I don't have to – I don't like to defend the oil companies or any company. I'm just talking about ideology here, not the companies themselves. But you have to ask yourself this, these questions. The very same oil companies, the same oil companies with the same boards of directors for the most part, with the same leaders. The same ideology they've always had, the same oil companies were selling you gasoline for under $3 a gallon for four straight years until Joe Biden took office. And every single week since Joe Biden took office, gas prices were on the increase every single week. Did Russia play a role in making that accelerate? Yes, they did. There's no doubt about it. But there's a reason why diesel fuel remains extraordinarily high, and it's because we have a short supply of it here in the U.S. Why do we have a short supply of it? Well, a lot of it has to do with the rules that regulate the oil companies and the refining of that fossil fuel. It has a lot to do with their capabilities with closing down a lot of refineries and the sheer huge expense of what it would cost to reopen them. There is no easing of restrictions by the Biden administration. And I, we should all at least take a look at this. And I know there are a lot of people that because you're on the opposite side of the political aisle with me, you're always going to disagree with me and you're going to believe that I have it in for the administration. You're not going to listen. But there are some questions that you have to wrestle with and, and get some kind of an answer to. Why would the president of the United States try to negotiate a deal with the United Arab Emirates with the with the um, the uh, Saudis, with um, the uh, um, Iranians, and why would he try to do it with the Venezuelans? Why would you give an American oil company permission to drill in Venezuela but not in the United States? Why do you demonize the American oil companies but you went hat in hand to the OPEC nations asking them for some concessions? We're nice to the enemy and we're mean to our own. It, those policies are absolutely influencing and affecting what we pay at the pump. And when it comes to food, the policies are also affecting that. And you have to at least acknowledge it. Even if you agree with it, you still have to acknowledge it's happening. Now, coming up in a minute. We are going to uh, get you caught up on the biggest news stories of the day. We have a segment we call Did You Hear This? And we're going to do it in just a moment. <laughs> Strong values and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show, KTAR News, 92.3 FM, and the KTAR News app. In one of those big, big news days, let's get you caught up. Did you hear this? Did you hear this? 
Broomhead's reaction to the hottest news stories. This morning, Brittany Griner was freed from a Russian penal colony. I'm glad to be able to say that Brittany's in good spirits. She's relieved to finally be heading home. What should be the Biden administration's next steps to help free Paul Whelan? Um, you know, I, I, to be honest, I don't know what else we have to offer in, in, in exchange. I think this was our best chance in a very long time to get him released. Now, Paul Whelan, as most of you know, is a former United States Marine. He was arrested in Russia in 2018 on some trumped-up espionage charges. He has maintained his innocence. The United States has maintained his innocence for a long time. And uh, there were other people that were let go earlier than he was as well. Uh, the word from the White House is saying that Whelan was not a part of this negotiation that are treating this differently. But I think when you have a bargaining chip like they, you do with a guy like Victor Boot, you could have gotten a lot more in that exchange. And that means no insult to Brittany Griner whatsoever. I'm glad she's on her way home. But you're trading a professional athlete that was uh, put in prison for marijuana or the cannabis possession for an arms dealer who was targeting Americans. There, that just seems like a huge disparity in that trade. The Biden administration has made a move on Title 42. President Biden's lawyers want a five-week delay to ending that rule so border officials can get ready for a bigger influx of migrants. What's, why did they wait till now to make a statement on Title 42? I, I, that I don't know. That's the that's the frustrating thing about this. Everybody has been predicting this huge uptick in the people crossing the border when Title 42 goes away. They've known it's coming. The experts at the border knew it was coming, both from the federal agents and also local law enforcement knew it was coming, and the White White House has reacted so slowly. I don't know why they've waited so long, and I don't know what this short amount of time is going to do to help them. They have to have other policy changes or pieces of legislation that come in to make our laws stricter that add to the deportation of people that aren't supposed to be here and expedite the process for allowing people to stay that deserve to stay. And until that gets done, this problem is going to continue to get worse. You are listening to Did You Hear This? We do it every day at this time to catch you up on the big headlines. Customs and Border Patrol agents are dealing with mental health issues and rising suicide rates. Between 2007, that is when CBP started taking numbers, uh, tracking suicides on November 30th of 2022, there's been 149 suicides within the agency. Several congressmen have introduced the Taking Action to Prevent Suicides, or TAPS Act, to help lessen their burden. What more can be done to help these men and women? I think what you have to do is give them better resources and give them better tools to do their job. In other words, we just talked about laws and enforcement of those laws, but you have to have agents on the ground that can be able to do the work. They are overwhelmed. They need help. They need more bodies. 87,000 IRS agents. Instead of that, we should have had 87,000 more border agents. Get them the manpower that they need, the labor force they need, and along with that, they should have the tools they need to do their jobs. That would be one area and and the counseling necessary and the avenues necessary for people that before they get so far down the road in this in being depressed and caught up in this world where suicide seems to be the only option, intervening and making sure that they have the mental health resources near them so that they can reach out much sooner, that would also help. Maricopa County recorder Stephen Richer talked to you today about his ideas to speed up Arizona's vote counting process. I'm proposing that all early ballots have to be returned by 5 p.m. on Saturday. Then we could have a much higher percentage of results available on election night, and we would know who has won the vast majority of those contests. What do you think of his proposal? I think anything we can do to get answers faster is a good idea. That people either don't trust the mail-in system because of signature verification, or they don't trust the U.S. mail to get it to the place there. 
So a lot of people vote in person or they get their early ballots and they drop them off on election day. If you're going to do something like that where you're going to physically drop it off, then there should be a system in place that expedites uh, expedites counting them. You know how it goes now. Early votes that come in before the weekend, they're counted first. That's the first drop right after an election. Then after that, the other votes are counted on election day votes begin to be counted. And then you have what they call those late earlies, the ones that came in on the weekend and those that were dropped off on election day. And there was such a huge number of those votes that were dropped off late that uh, they were early ballots that were dropped off at the end of the election cycle. That's what causes these delays. Anything you can do to change that and make it easier and make it faster, I'm in favor of it. That's did you hear this? And, I, you know, when it comes to the elections, we want to get results faster. We want accuracy. We're not going to sacrifice accuracy for speed, but there is a way to do both. And we just got to sit down. Cooler heads have to prevail. There is a big difference between you're not a conspiracy theorist. You're not an election denier. If you say we'd like to have our answers quicker, is there a way that we cannot compromise voter access? We cannot compromise accuracy, but we can get things done faster. If there is, let's do it. It's been 30 years since we've effectively changed many of our election laws, and it can be done, and I hope that it gets done quickly. Coming up in a moment, you'll hear some more people speaking, including the White House, on the release of Brittany Griner. We'll talk about who she was exchanged for and the one prisoner left behind. All of it, next. KTAR News, 92.3 FM, and the KTAR News app. Hey, thanks for being here. Appreciate you spending some time with the Mike Broomhead Show. I would love for you to join us this weekend. Uh, We have got our Red and Blue Day at the Zoo coming up this Saturday. Um, December 10th, the first 1,000 police and fire first responders that show up at the Wildlife World Zoo Aquarium and Safari Park at the 303 in Northern. The first 1,000 families present your credentials. You get into the zoo for free. All the rides are free for you all day long. It's just our way along with the zoo to say thank you to you and your family for the hard work you do in our communities. It's called Red and Blue Day at the Zoo. If you want to get all details, just go to KTAR.com, find the contest page, and all the details are there. We will see you this Saturday. If you're part of the community, you want to come up, get to, you know, pay your way into the zoo just to thank these men and women and their families. Please join us. It's a great day. We've done this before and it's so much fun. So I hope you'll be there with us on Saturday. Um, We've been the big news of the day is Brittany Griner. There's no doubt in all the, every conversation I've had with people, the discussion about whether or not this was the right thing to do, not to bring her out. It's absolutely the right thing to do. There's no way around it. And I got to tell you, um, I don't care about p- politics. I don't. We are Americans. They are the Russians. They hate us when they have our citizens and they sentence them for. Now, again, they're entitled to punish laws or to punish crimes and say that certain things are worse there than they are here. We don't punish uh, people for cannabis or hashish possession to nine years hard labor. They do that in Russia. But this was there was politics involved in this. and We understand it. So this is not about whether or not an American should have been released. The question is, did we give up too much? Because the person that she was traded for is a known arms dealer. The merchant of death is what his nickname is. Sure, he's a lot of fun at parties. 
This is a guy that was born in Tajikistan. He moved to the United Arab Emirates as an adult. He um, started a business, had about 60 airplanes that he um, had this cargo company, and he was shipping arms all over the world. He shipped arms to ISIS. He shipped arms to al-Qaeda. He was in uh, all over the world in places that are war-torn. He is uh, helping people. He, when it was, he was confronted, he was finally confronted by and ran into what he thought were Colombians. He thought he was talking to Colombian drug cartels, and he was in fact speaking to American DEA agents and was doing an arms deal with them. And when he was told that it was possible that some of these armaments could be used to kill Americans, American pilots, he responded by saying, we have the same enemy. We've just returned him out of an American prison into Russian custody. He is going to get a hero's welcome when he gets home. This is going to be used for huge propaganda. Now, that says nothing about whether or not we should get the release of an American. We absolutely should. Brittany Griner, no American should be unjustly held in a Russian prison, sentenced to hard labor. I'm glad she's coming home. But we also left behind an American Marine, former Marine, that in his civilian life was the head of security for a company and was arrested for espionage, trumped up charges of espionage, and he was arrested and held. He's been held since 2018. He's been there far longer than Brittany Griner has been there. And why is it that we are taking such a high-level prisoner like this Victor Boot and exchanging him for, when it comes to the crime committed, a low-level prisoner like marijuana possession. Well, does celebrity play a role in it? Uh, you know, we would hope not, but you know that that could be the case, that pressure from people in the WNBA and the NBA athletes and, and famous celebrities and weighing in saying, free, free Britney, free Britney, free Britney, and I'm glad she's coming home. But at what cost? What do you say to Paul Whelan's family? Paul Whelan is the American who has been held since 2018. His family misses him very, very much. So this is what the president had to say about them treating the Whelan cases, Paul Whelan, the former Marine, treating his case differently. We brought home Trevor Reed when we had a chance earlier this year. Sadly, for totally illegitimate reasons, Russia is treating Paul's case differently than Brittany's. And while we have not yet succeeded in securing Paul's release, we are not giving up. We will never give up. Not giving up. And doing what is necessary are two different things because the president also talked about the painstaking negotiations to get Brittany Griner out of Russia. And, and it's again, I, you get torn in this conversation because I don't ever want to lose sight of the fact, I don't want anyone to lose sight of the fact that I am thrilled that Brittany Griner has been released. As an American, I'm thrilled that an American is being reunited with their family and taken out of Russia. That's a great thing. But I still go back to the fact of who we left behind. You mean to tell me that an arms dealer that you have wanted, desperately wanted this guy back, that you wanted this guy free, that you consider him a hero because of his actions toward Americans and others, um, that you have, he's going to get a hero's welcome when he comes home. Internationally known as an arms dealer and dealing with the worst of the worst of the worst in this world. And you mean to tell me that you could not have held out to get more, that you could not have held out to get more for him? 
Mr. Boot was accused of selling weapons to al-Qaeda and the Taliban and militants in Rwanda. According to several investigations and in his U.S. indictment, he, he and his associates flouted arms embargoes in Sierra Leone, in the Democratic uh, Republic of Congo, and Algeria. All over the world, this guy is an arms dealer. Um, with the quote here is when the prospective buyers that he was dealing with that were actually federal agents, U.S. federal agents, told him that weapons could be used to kill American pilots, Mr. Boot responded, we have the same enemy. And we made this trade. And I think that I understand the political pressure, the, um, the optics of not getting Brittany Griner out of there, but – Standing your ground and saying that we will not waver on this, we need to get our Marine home, is something that we should have done. That's just my opinion. Um, you know, that doesn't mean that, uh, that you can't be happy for Griner. And this is the other part of this that I find, I find this interesting and I'm anxious to hear what happens. What will she say? I'm sure she's going to thank the president. I'm sure she's going to thank everybody at the State Department that worked to get her released. I'm sure she's going to do all of that, and she should. But will she mention Paul Whelan and his family? What will she say to the entire world about that man being left behind? Um, And when will she speak? And I don't expect her to do it right away. It is difficult to be gone as long as she has. She does deserve some time with her family to kind of decompress and and get her arms around things. But um, what will happen? Because she is going to be a household name now. She is going to be uh, everybody in America and around the world will be watching what happens here. And the other thing that I find interesting and I'm, I'm curious about is what happens to Victor Boot when he gets back to Russia? Does he... Go back to work and doing what he was doing before and dealing arms all over the world. Should be an interesting, interesting thing to watch. Coming up in a moment, we go back and talk about education because there was some school stories today about education around the country and people lacking in math. Our students lacking in math skills. We'll get to all this coming up before we close out the show in just a couple of moments. Values and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show, KTAR News, 92.3 FM, and the KTAR News app. Hey, thanks so much. Appreciate you spending some time with the show. Before we close it out, I want to go back to an important topic, I think, for everyone, whether you have children in the public school system or not. There have been dramatic changes that are coming here to Arizona with the expansion of the ESA program, better known as the voucher program, where uh, parents have the right, have the ability now to take their children and the tax dollars attached to those children and use that toward tuition or use that toward tutoring or whatever they see fit, homeschooling in whatever avenue they believe is better educating, better education for their children. And uh, we see so much change, so much is forced. I mean, it just is as the natural progression of things. As technology improves, we see how dramatically things have changed. But we really haven't changed much about our school system in a long time. Transportation to school, let's say, still the yellow school bus. There are so much that has advanced and changed in our lifetime. Um, the ESA program and the expansion is something that I've been a big fan of for a long time. I've, I've mentioned the story many times on the air, how it affected my family having an opportunity to go to a different school. Now, what was interesting about this is I went to a good school. I happen to be a bad student, but I was I had a good education when I was young. I went to a good school, a good public school. My brother Tom 
Um, graduated from the same high school I went to. Um, I was in, in 1985, was my class of 85. He was class of 87. Um, and both of us went into the workforce. And my brother ended up in the military um, where he gave his life. But we um, we were that kind of a working class family. Our youngest brother was the most improved student in the middle school. All three of us went to the same middle school. Um, he was the most improved student in that middle school and was given an academic scholarship to a prep school that's a lot like a brophy here. It was a it was a high school sports kind of a standout school, but academically also superior. Just a great school where college was expected, where good grades and academics were expected. And it changed him. And he went on to go to college to graduate with honors. He's the first person in our family to do that. And you cannot tell me that that environmental change wasn't part of what that was for him. It absolutely was. I've seen it change people's lives. We never, my mother never in a million years could have afforded tuition at that school. And so the only way that my brother got to go there was on an academic scholarship. And why shouldn't we be fighting for those working class families with exceptional students that are better served in a different setting? Why shouldn't a parent be able to say, my, my child needs a different atmosphere? My oldest kind of breezed through high school. She went to high school. She graduated from high school. School was fairly easy for her. She didn't have to work at it a little bit. We had a struggle with the youngest. We had a struggle with her, and she was in a couple of different schools trying to find something that matched for her. And she ended up at an online school. It was a, you know, and so she excelled at that and graduated early going in that atmosphere. The ability for parents to tailor the education of their child to their child is, I think, key to a better education. There is also a reason in the differences that we have now in curriculum and approach is why parents are asking questions of school boards and motivated by their treatment to run for school boards. For a long time, I've said if you want to transform a parent into an activist, just do something they deem inappropriate or wrong for their child. And we have seen parents treated terribly, not all parents, not most parents, but enough. And we've seen these parents treated horribly by school boards. They've been called domestic terrorists and a lot of other things. So these parents said, I'm fed up. We are going to go. We are going to go right now. And we are going to make a difference. And they have. They've run for school boards. We are going to see dramatic changes in education. And I think in Arizona, in the long run, school choice and being able to move these tax dollars around is going to do great things. Going to do incredible things for education in Arizona and competition. And I hope it works out because we all want better education for our children. We all want that. Let's just hope we can all get there. Music means we're just about out of time. So if you're a social media user, you can find me at BroomheadKTAR on Twitter. That's my personal Twitter account, at BroomheadKTAR. At Broomhead Show on Twitter update you on what's coming up on the show. So I invite you to follow both of those pages. And if you're an Instagram user, let's keep in touch on Instagram. You can find me at Mike Broomhead. All one word, no dots, no dashes, no underscore. Just about out of time. We start the show at 8 o'clock. We'll be back again tomorrow morning, just around 8 o'clock to start the show one more time. Until then, have a great day, everyone. God bless. 